0: All right, grab your Bibles. Go to the book of Habakkuk. And I mean it, it's not a joke. Might be better for you to go to the first page of your Bible, look at the table of contents. That would be acceptable as well. I understand completely the book of Habakkuk. Um, I am an odd, well, I am odd, you guys already know that, but I am definitely unusual in the fact that my favorite book of the Bible is named Habakkuk. I love this book. There's a lot of reasons, and I wasn't going to share this because I'd shared it before, but I'll do it again. There's a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that what we are doing is we're eavesdropping on a conversation between this prophet of God, Habakkuk, and God himself. Have you ever eavesdropped before? (laughs) Oh, wow, there was a holy confession time there, wasn't there? I just heard that. That was pretty awesome. Have you ever ever eavesdropped before? I have. Um, And it ended badly for me. Uh, I'll tell you that. Right now, it ended very badly for me. When I was in high school, uh, I was sitting at a table. I had been dating a young lady. um, And her friends were sitting behind me, and I was sitting with my buddies at a table. And I heard her friends. I heard my, you know, you can hear your name all of a sudden. You know, all of a sudden, it's like, I heard my name. And so I kind of leaned back in the chair, didn't quite do this, but I was close, almost did the whole, and, and I heard them say something about how she was gonna break up with me. I know. <laughs> so I wasn't gonna let that happen. So I wrote the note first, because that's how mature we were, man. Forget the text, you write the note. I think it's run its course. I think we're done. And I saw her and I'm like, here you go. Uh, About a half hour later, those two girls who had been talking about us behind me that I eavesdropped and heard them say she was going to break up with me, came running to greet me and said, you are a moron. We knew you were listening, which is why we said that. That's okay. I was going to break up with her anyway. (laughs) When you eavesdrop, sometimes you only get a little bit of the conversation. The beauty of Habakkuk is you get the whole package. I'm not going to have time to read all of it, but but, but I want you to understand... The reason we are in Habakkuk this morning is because I think this is the picture, the full picture of lament. This is what it looks like to be like, okay, God, here's my serious complaint, here are my heartbreak, here's my concern, here's all the things that are frustrating to me, and I'm waiting on you to do something about it, and then something crazy happens that probably would have freaked all of us out had it happened to you or me. God responded. So I had a very serious prayer time in my truck this week. Driving back from the airport on Thursday night, God and I were wrestling, I was complaining. If God had answered me in my truck, I promise you I would not be standing here this morning. My truck would have been a pew off the side of the road. Listen to Habakkuk's complaint, look at chapter 1 verse 2. Habakkuk says, Lord, how long, man, that's good lament language right there. How long must I call for help and you don't listen? Or cry out to you about violence and you won't save? Why? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, oppression, violence? They're right in front of me. Strife is ongoing. Conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Why? God, where are you? Why are you not listening to me? Why are you not responding to me? How long do I have to wait till you respond, God? So what, what Habakkuk's doing is he's looking at The surrounding situation. He's looking at the the country around him and he's saying, this place is jacked up. You and I could pray the exact same prayer. Justice doesn't exist. Violence continues to to rise. The good suffer. The evil seem to get further ahead. There are lies everywhere. God, where are you? And this resounding voice comes from heaven, the beginning of verse 5. Look, is the first word. Behold, in other versions of the Bible, look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded. I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. God says to Habakkuk, oh, let me answer you for a second, but I'm going to answer you, and I'm going to give you the answer, and, and even though I'm going to tell you about it, you are never going to believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Why would you believe me when I tell you this? When I look at your country of Judah... Habakkuk, when I look at the wickedness that exists there, Habakkuk, my plan, my perfect plan, my sovereign plan, my plan from eternity past is to bring up this nation, the Chaldeans some Bible versions use, that's another name for this country of Babylon, the Babylonians. I'm going to rise up these Babylonians and they're going to come and they're going to wipe you out you won't have to worry about violence anymore. You won't have to worry about justice anymore. You won't have to worry about the, the good being put down and the evil rising. I'm going to take care of that because I'm going to send the Babylonians in and they're going to wipe out your entire country. But look, I'll just highlight a couple of things. Verse 7, God does, this is God's description of the Babylonians. Verse 7, they are fierce and terrifying. Verse 8, their horses are swifter than leopards. They're more fierce than the wolves of the night. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. Verse 9, all of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings. Rulers are just a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress. They build siege ramps to capture those cities. Other versions say they just throw dirt against the walls to capture them. Talk about that in a minute. You've probably already heard about it. This is this is this great rising nation of Babylon. Babylon comes on the scene, and they wipe out the existing superpower of Assyria. They push the Egyptian armies back into Egypt, and now the Babylonian Empire is rising up. It is taking over and devouring land and people at will. God says, "Look around." You ask me what's going on. You ask me where I am. I'm going to answer you. I'm right here. Meet the Babylonians. Habakkuk is a brave man. Because what Habakkuk does next is something I definitely wouldn't have done. He begins in verse 12, his response to God with praise. Accurately so. He identifies God with as who he is. He is eternal. Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? Verse 12, my holy one, you won't die. God, you're in charge. You are sovereign. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. But God, you are holy. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why? Hear that? (laughs) Where are you, God? And God's like, I'm right here. Meet the Babylonians. And Habakkuk's like, okay, you are holy. You are eternal. Are you crazy? Look at these people. You're holy. How can you possibly put up with them? How can you possibly allow them to, to come on the scene? We're pretty bad. They're way worse. God, what are you thinking? God? You're wrong. Friends, have you ever said that? In the silence? The quietness of your heart, most often that's where it would come. Usually, it usually would not come out of your lips. God, you've got this one wrong. Got this one wrong. Interesting, the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1 is actually the continuation of Habakkuk's response. It's a terrible chapter break. Verse 1, he says, I'm going to stand. Now, after I've said this, and I've made this accusation to God, I have said, God, where are you? He said, I'm right here, here are the Babylonians, and my response is, you're wrong. And now, verse 1, I'm going to go to my guard post. I'm going to go to my watchtower. I'm going to the place where I sit in my silence, and I'm going to look out, and I'm going to watch to see what, what, what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. So he says, okay, now I need to wait. Because I know I've launched this accusation at God. Now, I'm going to sit in my watchtower, in my quiet place, and I'm going to look out, and I'm going to wait for the word of God to come back to me. And then I'm going to have to respond. I know I'm going to have to respond, but I I need to wait. I need to wait. And as he is waiting, God shows up again. And he responds to Habakkuk in a number of ways. I'm going to jump around chapter 2 a little bit, okay? First, at the beginning of Chapter 2, verse 4. The beginning of verse 4, he says that God's response is, I know who they are, Habakkuk. They are an ego that is inflated. They are without integrity. Habakkuk, I know. I know who these Babylonians are. Habakkuk, I know what I'm doing. Verse 6 begins this, this list of woes that are cried out against the Babylonians. These woes are declarations of sorrow and sadness and overthrow that are coming to Babylon, and for some certain reasons. It's a taunt song, if you will. That's what it's labeled as at the beginning of verse 6. Won't all these take up a taunt against him? He says in verse 6, woe to the one who amasses what is not his. Verse 8, because Babylon, you have plundered many nations, the people's Who remain are going to plunder you. You're not gonna get away with it. Verse nine, woe to the one who dishonestly makes wealth for his house. Verse ten, you have planned shame for your house. You have wiped out many people and sinned against your own self. The pictures, Babylon is trying to get rid of all the witnesses. I don't want anybody to be able to stand in a court of law and make war crime accusations against me. So we're going to get rid of all the witnesses. But it's interesting, God says, even if they tried to get rid of all the witnesses, well, good news for Israel, for Judah, bad news for Babylon, verse 11, the stones will cry out from the wall. The rafters (coughs) will answer them from the woodwork. There's no getting away with this, Babylon. God, God continues and says that, Verse 16, the cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter grace will cover your glory. Babylon. So, so think about it again. Lament. God, where are you? How long do I have to endure this? What are you thinking? Why haven't you shown up? Would you hear me? Why won't you answer my prayer? And God says, oh, I'll answer it. I'm right here. Let me introduce you to this lovely country called the Babylonians. Think for a moment. Go back about 10 years. Let me introduce you to this lovely group in the Middle East called ISIS. Think about the chaos in your heart if you live in that land. I have no idea what they're capable of or how far they're going to go, but they are certainly coming. What am I going to do? God, are you crazy? You're wrong on this one. You can't use a people like Babylon. You can't use them to come in and judge your people. What are you doing? And God says, Habakkuk, listen, I I know who they are. I know what I'm doing. You don't have the full picture. They will be judged in the end. Habakkuk, I know what I'm doing. Look at verse 2 of chapter 2. The Lord answered Habakkuk. Write down this vision. Clearly inscribe it on tables so one may easily read it. That's what the Christian Standard Bible translates that verse as. Uh, Other versions say, uh, write it so that you can read it as you are running. Because that's the literal translation. The picture is get a big old tablet. You etch this on there, okay? This is the message I want you to etch on there. And make it big because you're going to be running through the streets trying to escape Babylon. And I want everybody else to be able to see it. going to seem like a long time coming, verse 3 says. The vision is yet for an appointed time. It testifies about the end, and it will not lie. And though it delays, wait for it. Since it will certainly come and not be late. There's that dirty word, wait, again. Habakkuk is having this conversation with God and writing this book some 70 years before Babylon rises to power. God says, I got this. And there'll be times where you're going to question if I do or not because it's not going to happen right away. But I promise you, if you wait for it, it will happen. Habakkuk. I know who they are. I know what I'm doing. It's going to be clear and it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. Now, that's certainly helpful, right? If you're starting off your conversation with God like, what are you doing? Don't you see the evil? When are you going to step in? Why won't you answer me? And then God answers you. And then you complain. And then God's response is, here's the big picture. It's going to happen. It might take a little while, but it's, it's going to happen. It may seem like a long time to you, but it's not a long time to me, God says. Now, that might bring some level of help, some level of comfort to get a better understanding of how in charge he actually is. But, but actually... What happens in that moment is the tension heightens, doesn't it? And remember, the definition of lament is the honest cry of the child of God who is living in the tension of pain and the promise of God. That tension rises inside of you when you look around and you see the the pain and difficulty here's that big pile of pain and difficulty but here you hear the very promises of God you know God is for me he has called me by name he's never going to abandon me he is in charge nothing falls outside of his sovereignty so that's what you're hearing that's what you are knowing there's the promise of God but what i'm seeing is pain i i see the doctor's report I hear the disrespect within that relationship. I feel the abandonment of those people who I should be able to trust. I'm able to do the math, and the bank account just doesn't work out. I cry myself to sleep every night. Because they're not here anymore. Now, I hear the promise of God, but I'm seeing and feeling and living in the pain in that moment. So, so what am I supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? And this is the aspect of lament that you and I must grasp onto, or else, or else we're missing the true hope of what lament gives to us. Because, because what, what we're supposed to do is not live by what we can see, what we can feel, what we can understand, what we can taste, what we can hear, No, we're supposed to live by something completely different. Verse 4, chapter 2. But the righteous one will live by faith. The righteous one will live by faith. Hey, good news, that is the biggest chunk of Christianese ever spoken at a church. Because a lot of times what we end up doing is like, just the just will live by faith. The righteous just need to live by faith. Amen. God bless you on your way out. See you next week. Don't forget to give it. The doors on your way. Oh, man, that's more than that. It's, it's not just a saying. It's a reality. Living by faith in the midst of our season of lament is a reality. And what Habakkuk does for us is he makes the turn. So in chapter 3... Habakkuk writes this really cool song. It's even got a really cool name. The name of the song is found in verse 1. It's called the Shigionoth. You know I'm going there. Getting shiggy with it. Sorry. I'm ashamed of that one. What is a shigianoth? A shigianoth can be a lament, it can be a dirge, but I've, I've come to the conclusion, based on what is said in the rest of the book and what Habakkuk says here in chapter 3, that this is actually what my, my Bible l- labels as a passionate song with rapid changes of rhythm. There is this response that is enthusiastic. It, let, let me read it to you, starting in verse 3. It says, God comes from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Perrin. His splendor covers the heavens. The earth is full of his praise. His brilliance is like light. Rays are flashing from his hand. This is where his power is hidden. Plagues go before him. Pestilence follows in his steps. He stands, and the act of standing shakes the earth. He looks, and the nations are startled. The age-old mountains break apart, the ancient hills sink down, his pathways are ancient. I see the tents of Cushion in distress, the tent curtains of the land of Midian tremble. Are you angry at the rivers, Lord? Is your wrath against the rivers, or is your fury against the sea when you ride on your horses your victorious chariot? took the sheath from your bow, the arrows are ready to be used with an oath split the earth with rivers. The mountains see you. They shudder. A downpour of water sweeps by. The deep roars with its voice and lifts its waves high. Sun and moon stand still in their lofty residence. The flash of your flying arrows. The brightness of your shining spear. Your march across the earth with indignation. You trample down the nations in wrath. You come out to save your people. To save your anointed. And you, God, You crush the leader of the house of the wicked. You strip him from foot to neck. You pierce his head with his own spears. His warriors storm out to scatter to us, gloating as if ready to secretly devour the weak. You tread the sea with your horses, stirring up the vast water. This is who God is. This is his bigness. This is his faithfulness. This is his justice. This is his power. This is his strength. This is his work on behalf of his people. This is the very promise of God. And he continues to explain to us what living by faith actually looks like. Is although you know the promise of God, you hear the promise of God, he explains to you the promises of God, and over here you see and feel and taste touch, smell the pain Just let me explain to you what living by faith looks like look at verse 16, Habakkuk says I heard, I heard about who God is and I, I trembled within, my lips quivered at the sound, rottenness entered my bones, I trembled where I stood now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us and here it is, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no fruit on the vines Though the olive crop fails, the fields produce no food, the flocks disappear from the pen, and there are no herds in the stall. Stop a second. Verse 17 is utter devastation to an agricultural society, and many of you know that. Should the crops not come up? Should all the animals disappear? I have no food, no income, and no potential for food or income. That's the pain. Though these things are true the fig tree doesn't bud, there's no fruit on the vine, the olive crop fails, the fields produce no food, the flocks disappear from the pen, and there's no herds in the stalls yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He is my strength, He makes my feet like those of deer. It enables me to walk on mountain heights. Guys, living by faith doesn't mean always being strong. Living by faith doesn't mean ignoring pain. Living by faith doesn't mean that pain doesn't exist in your life. Living by faith is celebrating the yet. Yet. even though we have reached utter devastation and destruction, even though I have no hope of crops, no hope of food, no hope of income, yet I will celebrate in God, I will celebrate in the yet. That's what lament looks like. That's the tension between pain and promise. It's, I'm standing here and literally everything is falling apart, and yet God is so good and has washed wave upon wave upon wave of grace and mercy on me in my life that everything could disappear and I could be left with just God and He would be enough. He would be enough. Yet I will celebrate. In the Lord, you notice that word Lord in your Bibles. If you look, a little Bible study trick for you. If it's all capitalized, L-O-R-D, if those letters are all capitalized, it refers to the proper name of God that is given in Exodus chapter 3 as God speaks to Moses. That proper name is taken from the verb form, I am. To be Yahweh. Even though everything completely falls apart, yet I will celebrate. In Yahweh. Think about the name Yahweh for a moment. Think about the, the eternal present. The eternal present. There isn't a time when it's not the present in God. It's, it's, you can't think about it the past. He was. No, he is. He just is in the past. Of oh, the present. Yeah, he is. The future. He's going to be. No, no. He is already in the future. Celebrating in the yet means that you understand that the God who is present with you, The God who is with you in good and bad. The God who loves you, likes you, and cares for you. The God who is strong for you. The God who sent his son to die for you. The God who works to defeat sin and death. That God who will be present with you for all of eternity. That God who is currently securing your inheritance so that no one else could ever touch it till you get there. God has done great things for you. He is doing great things for you. And he will do great things for you. I know It's a dark day sometimes. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. You know what one of the greatest things he's done for us is? One of the most amazing things he's done for us? Is that he's made it so that little old me can run to big eternal him in the middle of my pain. I can celebrate in the yet because I know he is. We need to celebrate some more, don't we? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the precious story of Habakkuk. Thank you that you don't hide ugly in your word. You leave it out there for us to see so that we can understand we are not alone. So God, in this moment, I pray that you would give us the ability to encourage one another in singing, in praying, just in our very countenance, May we celebrate the fact that you love us, that you have given us access to yourself through the finished work of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for Jesus. I pray right now that you would help us in the middle of our pain and difficulty, in the middle of our lament, not fall in on ourselves, but embrace the tension as we turn our backs on everything else and celebrate in you. God, give us the ability to do that today. For it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray.